Hello and welcome. The name of this podcast series is Taboo Truths and Tales. So why these particular T words are all in the title, you may may want to know. Fair question. It's because this podcast deals with subject matter considered to be taboo. This podcast deals with a person's perception of truths. And this podcast deals with storytelling tales of fiction told by an individual. You need to choose for yourself what you perceive as truths versus tales because very often in real life that distinction is not crystal clear. This podcast is marked explicit. What that means, you should not listen to this podcast if you happen to be under the age of 18 or if someone under age 18 is listening there with you. Explicit means nobody under age 18 should be listening to this podcast series. So here we go. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira D'Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast, which is definitely intended for people who are 18 or older. Thank you. Now let's get started. Welcome, friends, to another narrated story podcast. This wicked episode is entitled, The Dead Man Returns. Written and produced by renegade Las Vegas storyteller and artist, Madeira de Souza. The Dead Man Returns is just one episode within the horror podcast Vegas series. If you dare to get emotionally charged, just visit horrorpodcastvegas.com to tune into the episodes. The Dead Man Returns The recording has been started. All that we say shall be on the official record. My name is Wes Unger. I work in the legal department at MMDI. The purpose of this inquiry is simple. The agency needs to track and preserve the details of a mission to target year 2012 by Agent Declan Andreas. So, are you ready to start, Agent Andreas? Yes. I'm ready. Ask me anything and I will answer you without holding anything back. I accept that this is classified top secret. I have the proper clearances. For the record, would you state your name, your job title, and the purpose of that particular mission? I am Declan Andreas. I am a time travel agent. In general, I accept missions to travel in time from here on the moon to target years in the past. Once I am there in a timeline in the past, I complete the work to which I was assigned. That specific mission was to target year 2012. The location, Amargosa, Nevada. I was assigned to visit a ranch in Nevada as if I happened to be a tourist. As with all time travel missions for all agents, this was an undercover assignment. My cover identity on this mission was that of a travel writer from New York who was on my first visit to the ranch. The cover included the detail that I was to meet someone from the ranch at the Las Vegas airport and explain how I was writing one or more articles for publication that would promote the ranch to attract clients. The management of the ranch wanted publicity, so they were motivated to accept the cover identity and story you had. That is correct. 
I used my actual name, Declan Andreas. I almost always use my actual name when I am on missions to the past. But I could not just appear there and announce I am a time travel agent. Hello, everyone, yeah, listen, I am from a few hundred years in the future. I would be beaten up or shot or probably both in that order. And, for the record, Agent Andreas, I need you to state the reason for that particular top-secret mission. Yeah, the reason. Since this is classified top-secret, I am going to treat this official record as being available only to those who have the proper clearances. Yes, you are correct, Agent Andreas. You may continue what you were saying. It was a top-secret mission because it involved spying on the activities taking place inside the ranch. My boss here at Cladius Base briefed me before I went on that mission to target year 2012. I was briefed that the ranch most likely had been built in the year 2012 by extraterrestrial aliens. They were thought to have used a remote Mojave Desert location in the state of Nevada for their efforts. This agency my employer had believed at that time something untrue. We all figured the aliens had bad intentions. Those aliens eventually became known as benefactors. And they demonstrated no bad intentions. Yes, both of those are now accepted as facts by this agency. The aliens had no bad intentions towards planet Earth or humanity. They are no threat whatsoever to our home planet or to us. The aliens did not want to be discovered and in fact tried to conceal their existence from humanity. The name, Benefactors, was chosen by scientists on Earth for one simple reason. The aliens made possible human time travel. And that capability is seen as the most crucial benefit to human history. Could you explain what specific concerns at MMDI motivated your being assigned to visit the ranch to investigate? My boss briefed me on that. He said I was being sent to that target year to validate one way or another what was going on. At the time I accepted the mission, I had never heard that extraterrestrial aliens were living in secrecy on Earth. It was a closely guarded secret. That mission I went on to target year 2012 likely was the first of its kind in human history to learn about the extraterrestrial aliens and their secrets at the ranch in Nevada. Provide the details on what happened, Agent Andreas, once you arrived in the target year 2012 to start your mission. Yes. I materialized inside the official property at the airport in Las Vegas. The airport had a different name than it does today. I forget the old airport name. What's important, though, is I materialized inside a stall of an airport men's room. That was to conceal my arrival. Turned out that men's room was empty. I materialized in a stall and walked out without anybody seeing my sudden appearance there. I walked out into the baggage claim area. I used one of those ancient suitcases on wheels that tourists long ago pulled and rolled around behind them. That wheeled suitcase contained clothing and belongings in it to support and reinforce my cover identity as a travel writer. First person I met called himself. The Rancher. That's how he identified himself. He accepted the promotional postcard I handed him to prove to him I was a travel writer who had come to visit the ranch and write about my experiences there. The postcard existed in the real world in the target year 2012. It had been mailed out directly from the marketing department at the ranch for the purpose of attracting clients. So I had one of those promotional postcards that looked like I had received it from the marketing department. Postmark and all were right there on the card. An excellent deception. Addressed to me, personally, at a genuine New York City location. That was supposed to represent the office of my publisher. So, at first, the rancher accepted I was Declan Andreas, a travel writer. And how did you know that the rancher had accepted your cover identity? 
Well, he gave me a ride in his late model pickup truck from the Las Vegas airport to the ranch. If he didn't accept that I was a travel writer, he would never have delivered me, himself, to the ranch. The ride to the ranch took about two hours. The rancher asked me a lot of questions as he drove. Lots of prying questions about my sexual behaviors. To be honest, I was afraid for my life. Not from his questions. The weather. I was afraid of the weather. There were dark clouds overhead. Lots of loud thunder interrupted the rancher asking me question after question about my preferring sex with other men. And serious flashes of lightning every few minutes. The rancher told me not to worry. He could see I was stressed out. He said it was monsoon season in the Mojave Desert. Not sure what that means. I thought monsoons only happen on the oceans. But I hate lightning. Scares the shit out of me. So, that turned into a not-so-fun, two-hour ride under dark skies, deafening thunder, and lots of brilliant lightning strikes from the clouds to the ground. When you finally arrived at the ranch, you were doomed. The rancher did, in fact, bring you there to kill you. That was what he wanted. That was what he accomplished. Yes. Just as we were driving in off the state highway onto a restricted access road up to the entrance of the ranch, that was when the rancher told me the secret. The rancher told me the secret he had been concealing. He started referring to the men who were sex workers at the ranch, the employees of the ranch. He started referring to those men, those employees of the ranch, as livestock. Yeah, that's the word the rancher used. The word was livestock. I thought that was more than a little strange. The rancher told you the employees of the ranch were synthetic beings, created using technology from extraterrestrial aliens. Not in those exact words, no. I started figuring things out. The moment I stepped out of his pickup truck, I was attacked by four big guys. The four of those big guys beat me senseless. They had super strength. Not like real men. I knew something was not normal about them. As I regained consciousness, I kept thinking of the word. Livestock. I was stretched out in the air. I was held by separate chains to my ankles and my wrists. Posed like the letter, X, with my arms and legs outstretched. I was scared shitless. No secret about that. I could not see the rancher. I only heard his voice. It was so hot in the dark room. I heard the rancher's voice coming down from a loudspeaker above me way up there somewhere. Right then he said to me, Your scrotum has responded to the heat, relaxing your ball sack. Very loose and soft. Your nuts are hanging down now. I never knew such fear before. At first, I couldn't see. But I sure felt someone punching with a clenched fist directly into my cock and balls as I hung there. I never knew I could scream out loud like that. I thought I was gonna lose my manhood. There was nothing I could do to defend myself. The rancher then explained to me that those who had hurt my cock and balls were livestock, as he called them. They were not real men. They were each built from scratch in the state of Nevada. They were synthetic. Then he introduced me to two which he referred to as cowboys. They were the ones who had hurt me by punching my cock and balls so brutally. They were identical twins. Powerfully built guys. Lot of muscles. Superior sized cock and balls on those guys not wearing any clothing. They both got very thick, full erections very quickly as I stared at their manhood. Not really manhood at all, actually. Synthetic cocks. Artificial testicles. They were not human like me. They were part mechanical. 
Part organic material. Part computer. Artificial intelligence. I realized the secret as the twins approached me. The two. Cowboys. Took turns fucking me hard and brutally. Not even the slightest pretense of gentleness from them. Cowboys. I was knocked forward by the thrusts of their violations of me. I accepted that in fact I belonged to them no matter what else was true. Under the full control of those two brutes. I never knew what rape felt like. But at the ranch I really discovered what rape felt like. Totally learned what rape means. More than merely penetration against my will. The. Cowboys. Forced me to ejaculate. I did not want to shoot my juices at all. They made me come. I hated that. Over and over. I hated them. I cried like a small boy. I was nothing more than vulnerable because of them. I hated them. At the same time, I had to admit that the cowboys made me feel so good because of how they violated me, the rancher said. Getting a man to ejaculate. We consider it a sacrament. The rancher was referring to how the synthetic beings had a true purpose to make mortal human men ejaculate over and over again. Bringing a man to orgasm is what we consider to be a very sacred religious act that we perform here at the ranch. This is a sacrament to please those whom you humans call the benefactors. Intelligent, extraterrestrial life from a far distant galaxy. That's what the rancher said. Then the cowboy twins pointed flamethrowers at me as I hung there still in the shape of the letter X. I felt the initial burst of fire and heat instantly melt my cock and balls. I was making animal sounds at that point like one might expect to hear from a mortally wounded animal during a death struggle. My entire body was on fire at that point. I watched my left arm crackling and popping like meat in an intense fire. Then my arm slipped free from the bondage and fell down to the floor with a thud. In my mind I still can feel all of that torture. Easy now to put this all into words. But at the time, I was pushed beyond searing pain, beyond the cruelest kind of insanity a man can experience. I wanted death. I wanted to escape that pain and insanity I felt. I wanted to fucking die so all I felt and thought would suddenly fucking just stop cold. And then I would be free. You now understand looking back from the perspective of the present day things were not exactly as they seemed. What you experienced in the target year 2012 was not something which can align with normal, everyday experiences most ordinary men may have. You know now one major benefit of being a time traveler, Agent Andreas. Time travel technology can be used to send a man back in the timeline to the exact point before he dies during his mission. In the revised timeline, his death is prevented and this means that the agent's life goes on as though he never died at all. That was a first for me. Yes. I was resurrected. Fucking unbelievable to me. No other way to describe what happened. My life was restored by the time travel technology at Clavia Space. I did not die permanently at that ranch in Nevada in the target year 2012. Today I remain aware of all that I experienced while on that mission. Agent Andreas, there is more here than merely you now achieving an awareness of all that you experienced on your mission to the target year 2012. The reality of the situation is this, you were sent back in time from this lunar base, back to the ranch again. Back again to the target year 2012. And that happened several times. The repeated missions enabled me to accomplish my original mission. I uncovered vital information about the aliens and their synthetic creations. All this is, once again, easy to express in words here in this interview we are having today. 
But think of it from my perspective, sir. Think of what I feel. I died on missions to a sex resort ranch in Nevada. Not once or twice. Three or four times. Fucking dead. I was wiped away from mortal life. But then I was brought back thanks to the time travel technology at Clavia Space. All that you experienced, all that you learned has proven to be very helpful to MMDI. But especially to all time travel missions from that point onward. Agent Andreas, your work on multiple missions to the target year 2012 was exceptional to say the least. There certainly must be a better word to characterize your work for this agency. You pushed on. You kept fighting against all obstacles thrown at you by the rancher. You were killed brutally. Several times. But now you are alive again. Brought back from the dead. Literally. And this was more than just once or twice. Multiple resurrections. What you're asking me is do I consider myself to be a hero? Do I frame what I experienced in these multiple missions back to target year 2012 in Nevada as heroism? No. I am honestly telling you, sir. I do not consider myself to be heroic at all. Not a hero. I died four times. I guess it was four times. Maybe five times. After I had experienced death as a mortal human being, I found myself elsewhere. I found that I was no longer at that sex resort ranch in Amargosa, Nevada. I was somewhere else. I was in what can only be called the afterlife. I did disclose this already. Officially. Yeah. For the record. I told the chief medical officer here at Clavia Space. Told him. I held nothing back from him. So, you are interviewing me here today, sir. But I already spelled it all out for the official record that belongs to my employer, to the agency which sends me on time travel missions to the past. You are hinting that what you say was the afterlife could have been only mental processes you experienced after being killed. I will be a hundred percent honest with you, sir. I will tell you, sir, what I told the good doctor who takes care of all of us time travel agents here at Clavia Space. I consider myself to be an atheist. I have learned from my time travel missions that there is not some interventionist god up there in the heavens above earth and the moon. Nothing up there but space. Nothing but stars and planets. Nobody is in charge up there. There is no god who watches over me and knows the exact number of hairs I have on my head and on my face. That kind of thinking was created by human beings so we would feel safe and comforted. God was made by man. Not the other way around. Anyway, to this hundred percent atheist that I am, what I saw after I died so many times makes little sense to me. It seems oddly like a fantasy. But I guess life can be a dream. Life can be a fantasy. So the afterlife can be anything, too. Here's what I experienced multiple times as the afterlife. I was somewhere else. No longer on Earth. No longer on the moon. Somewhere else. Another dimension, perhaps. I cannot be more specific than what I just said. I walked into what to me looked like a bar somewhere. What I'm saying is I was in a public place that sells liquor to customers who want to drink booze. Yeah. That's where I was each and every fucking time after I died at that ranch in Nevada. So, I have a very clear picture that I can tell you about, sir. It was a bar that sells liquor. It looked like it was very old. The bar looked like it was fashioned after what a bar might have looked like in the 1800s. Lots of wood. Beautiful, authentic wood from actual trees. 
Light fixtures as if from the Victorian era of architectural design hang down from the ceiling providing illumination. But it was, if nothing else, a bar where one could get any kind of booze. Any kind at all. Why would the afterlife put an emphasis upon booze? Very strange. Not really healthy. But I cannot explain. I just saw it all with my own eyes. I have studied organized religion, of course. Part of our training to become time travel agents involves studying all the world's religions and the belief systems behind those religions. So I am more than just a little familiar with the religious concept of the afterlife, because I studied all that prior to be accepted into the agency's time travel program. When I entered into the afterlife and found out it was a bar that sells booze, I was floored. That does not align with any of the world's great religions at all. Not at all. So there I was in the afterlife bar. What did I find there? That's the most interesting element. I found a bartender who resembled a human male. But he was not human. I guess he was from another dimension. He was very masculine and since that's the kind of male I find sexually attractive, I was drawn to him. This bartender in the afterlife bar taught me more than I ever learned in my living years. In other words, I learned more after I was dead than I ever could have learned when I was alive. This bartender in the afterlife bar was an exceptional sex partner for me. And believe me, I have had sex with many men in my life. This bartender in the afterlife bar knew what to do during sex, and he also knew what not to do. He was stunning. Just stunning. I never got any answers from this bartender in the afterlife bar as to why the afterlife was set up like I found it. He only told me that I would not be allowed to stay there indefinitely. He told me I would be taken away from the afterlife bar suddenly and abruptly. And that is what happened to me. I was suddenly taken up, up, up into the ceiling of the afterlife bar. Then I reappeared at Clavius Moon Base where the chief medical officer examined me and concluded I was hallucinating. That's okay. I forgive him. He's not the one who died and was then resurrected so many times over and over. I can see by the look on your face that I have puzzled you. I do not know what to expect from the MMDI legal department now that I have made all my statements to you today. I hope I can continue working. I love being a time travel agent and going to the past. I ask you, in conclusion, not to take that one thing away from me. Don't end my work as a time travel agent. I cannot explain all that I experienced. But I feel that I am a good agent and a strong asset to MMDI. I am not afraid of death. I have moved beyond death. More than a few times. Now I just want one simple thing. I want to keep living my life. I want to keep going on time travel missions on and on and on into the future for as long as I will be useful to this agency. Well, friends, that episode certainly makes one think deeply about death and the afterlife, does it not? The Dead Man Returns was written and produced by renegade Las Vegas storyteller and artist Madeira de Souza. What you just heard is one episode within the extended horror podcast Vegas series. If you dare for a scare, friends, just go to horrorpodcastvegas.com to tune into the episodes. Thank you for listening and try to sleep soundly with no nightmares tonight. Doubtful at best, but you never know.